Welcome to the OCC Chapel Podcast. Please note that the first few minutes of this sermon by John Kerr were not recorded due to some technical difficulties. This recording begins with a sermon already in progress. To map onto the target, right? So your target language, the thing you're trying to describe, your source language where you go to get the picture or the illustration. Target language, the text thread on your phone. Source language, the GIF you find that communicates your meaning. Or GIF, if you want to say it correctly. Yes, I did just use a metaphor to explain metaphor. Here's the deal. If we don't understand what about the source is intended to map on the target, we're not going to understand what the writer was intending to communicate. If we misunderstand what about the family we're supposed to understand about the church, then we're not going to get it. Here's what I think we've done. I think in American culture, we've associated family with warm feelings, right? We watch TV shows and Hallmark movies, and maybe that's a problem, Uh, tearjerker dramas, Right? And all of them about family seem to center around this idea of feeling, right? Feeling good, feeling happy, feeling together, feeling affirmed no matter what, feeling an absence of conflict perhaps, feeling a sense of comfort, feeling like I can be myself. But then I think what we do is we take that idea of feeling warm and we actually then map that onto what the Bible says about the church as a family. And I'm not sure that's what we're supposed to think. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that feelings are unimportant. It's not even that the biblical writers are unconcerned with feelings. But as I look through Scripture, it always seems that the feeling of family isn't the reason that the writers are using the metaphor. The feelings may follow, but they don't lead. If we don't understand the metaphor, then we won't understand the meaning. So, today, maybe we just need to take a step back and wipe the slate clean and just start at the very beginning with a very basic question. What does the Bible say about church and family? Well, if we start at the very beginning, the Bible seems to suggest that there were two people originally, Adam and Eve, and all of us are descendants from them. So in that sense, we are all part of the same family. But it goes even further than that, right? God uses this whole image of family to describe his relationship with his people. Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, God says, Israel is my firstborn son. God is the father, Israel is the son. It's a metaphor. In fact, it's one of God's favorite metaphors throughout the Old Testament to talk about his relationship with his people. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And so then, in the book of Matthew, Matthew is talking about how Mary and Joseph fled down to Egypt with baby Jesus because Herod wanted to kill him. But then once Herod died, he bring, they bring him back. And then Matthew says this, chapter 2, verse 15. This was in order to fulfill what was said by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. So now, Jesus is the son like Israel was the son. 
Paul picks this up then when he talks about how this connects to us. Galatians chapter four, starting in verse four. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive, here it is, adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. When we said yes to Jesus, all of us were adopted into the family. That's just a fact. Now, how does this impact how we relate to one another? Well, since the nation of Israel descended from 12 brothers, brother actually became a common way of talking about other people within the covenant community. So you have this all throughout the Old Testament, right? Commands to take care of your brother or to have concern for your brother. Jesus even continues this on, right? Uh, If your brother sins against you. If you greet only your brothers. Jesus even says, whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And so, it seems, we are all siblings within God's family, This seems to be the way the New Testament writers think about it as well. So let's recap. According to the Bible, we are God's children and we are siblings with everyone else in the community. It's pretty simple, but it's true. So then this leads us to our second question. What about family is intended to help us understand the church? Now before we can really jump into that, I think we need to realize that we bring some things to the biblical text, right? In our American culture, we frequently function with a guilt and innocence framework, right? If I did something uh, wrong, then I'm guilty. If I didn't, then I'm innocent. Now, another way of looking at the world is through the framework of honor-shame, right? In an honor-shame system, it's not so much whether or not I did something wrong. It's whether or not what I did brings honor to myself or to others. For honor-shame cultures, then, every single interaction is an opportunity to gain honor or to lose it. And I think nowhere is this more evident than in the realm of family. Now, it's very easy for us to overplay the role of honor and shame in our exegesis. So please hear me. We have to be careful here. But also, because this isn't what is natural for us, it's also easy for us to dismiss it altogether. I don't think we can do that. It seems to be, as I read scripture, that the biblical writers actually function with this honor-shame framework, and so that seems to be the reason that they are using the metaphor. So then what are they wanting us to understand? Two basic things. Here they are. What's my place and what's my Painting with a very broad brush. I think this is actually what scripture is trying to communicate by using the metaphor of family. So, first of all, what is my place? Well, I belong to a very honorable family. In fact, it's more honorable than any line of presidents or sheikhs or emperors or monarchs or even Windsors. I have a more prestigious bloodline than anyone else on earth. I have the most honorable family that exists. And 
I belong. I am a part of that family. Now let me just say this. This family that I'm a part of is so much bigger than Ozark Christian College. You hear me? Now I love this school. I love the movement we come out of. But let me just say this. If we aren't careful, sometimes when we get comfortable, we can actually start to draw additional boundary lines around our family, right? Well, these are the people that I really agree with, so these, these are the people that, that constitute my actual family. And what can happen is that we begin to think that our little corner of the kingdom is the extent of the family of God. Can I let you in on a secret? It's not. Our little corner of the kingdom is just our little corner of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is so much bigger than what we see here. The family of God is so much bigger than the restoration movement. And friends, your family is out there, not just in here. And we all need to be united for the sake of our witness. What's my place? Well, it's in a family that is very honorable. Here's the second thing. What's my role? Well, it's to bring honor to my family. More specifically, I should work hard to bring honor to other people that are within my family. Here's what I think we end up doing. A lot of times we end up treating other people in church like the older brother treats the younger brother in the parable of the prodigal son. We watch, we judge, we get angry, we isolate ourselves and we refuse to engage. And the father says, that doesn't bring honor to the family. In fact, if you look throughout the New Testament, many of the admonitions concerning church conflict center around this metaphor of brothers. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 5. I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. And Paul says, this does not bring honor to the family. So what do I do instead? Well, I listen to Paul's words in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. And then get this. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's my role within the family. Listen, out there, there is a world of insecurity and hurt and pain. But the church, I think, is set up to have a better story. In fact, I think the church is actually set up to have the best, healthiest family on earth. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be disappointments or frustrations, right? The challenge that we have is choosing to stick around through them and honor our brothers and sisters in the midst of them. Notice, the talk here is not about feeling warm. It's not about going to church and feeling like I'm happy, feeling like I can just be myself. The primary purpose of the metaphor seems to be you belong, 
but also you have a responsibility to show honor. Again, it is not that feelings are unimportant. In fact, it seems many times the biblical authors assume that the feelings will accompany these other things, right? I mean, think about it. If you belong to an honorable family and you worship together with other people who are concerned about bringing you honor just as much as you are concerned about bringing them honor, I hope that creates in you a sense of warmth, a feeling of belonging, a feeling even of happiness. But again, that's not the purpose of the metaphor. The purpose is to motivate us to do something. Now, I have to be honest. I'm a chronic disengager. It's true. My wife calls me out on it now, which is both awesome and terrible, all at the same time. Whenever I experience conflict, my default is to shut down and close in and move on to something else. Anybody else with me? I wonder if some of our experiences with church, and let's just be honest, maybe some of our experiences even with the Ozark family have left us with kind of a nasty taste in our mouths. And maybe we want to disengage. Maybe some of you have disengaged already. Sure, you may check in physically, but you've checked out emotionally a long time ago. But here's what I'm learning. Checking out is never the path to health. Now my wife and I, we have five kids. If it sounds like a lot, it's because it is. <laughs> it feels like a lot. And they are all so different. A few years ago, uh, we discovered the Enneagram, right? Now, you are not supposed to type your children. So we typed our children. <laughs> sure enough, it seems we have five different numbers represented in our kids. Now, maybe to you, that sounds like a well-rounded family. But to me, it sure seems like we've got five very special and unique ways that we're screwing our kids up. And so, as we've been on this journey together to figure out how to deal with conflict within our family, we've realized some things. We've realized that, you know, we actually have a choice about how our family handles conflict. We get some choices, right? We can be a family that actually chooses to talk about our problems rather than just sweeping them under the rug. We can be a family that feels our anger, and works through our anger rather than just shoving it aside. We can actually be a family that feels big emotions and yet refuses to give up on each other. That's all part of our choice. Now, I am fully convinced that my kids are going to sit in a dorm room someday and talk about how their parents screwed them up. It's inevitable. We are not perfect but we are doing the best we can to lay a healthy foundation for our family. And that's what our parents did for us as well. Listen, we could sit around all day and talk about how the church has hurt all of us. Maybe it serves a purpose somewhere. I'm not so convinced it does us any good. Rehearsing old wounds does not seem to be the path to health. Instead, it actually seems like it might just contribute to the dysfunction. 
Instead, I think it would do us well to heed the words of Hebrews chapter 13, verse one. Let brotherly love continue. You don't let love continue by sitting around and doing nothing. If I can be honest, I think some of us have been sitting on the sides for far too long. We've been letting the rest of the family figure it out because we're ticked off about something. But that's not the way to health. If I read scripture right, you belong. You are a child of God. And your role in this family is to bring honor. And so, brothers and sisters, it's time to step up and engage. It's time to take some ownership. Insist on healthy communication. Go and have a conversation with that person who ticked you off and actually work through your conflict. Or maybe you need to try this. Fast for a month from complaining about church. I don't know what you need to do, but whatever you do, set new patterns for health. Don't just leave the church because you are mad and don't kick somebody out just because you don't agree. This is our church, family. This is our church. And we all have a responsibility to honor it well. This last summer, our family went tent camping for a week up in northern Michigan. Yes, you heard that right. Seven days in a tent with seven people. It was memorable. <laughs> About halfway through that trip, we decided to take a hike up to this place along the lake uh, that they called Narnia. Uh, it's this beautiful stretch right there on the lake, but it, it required quite a hike to get back there. So we geared the family up, hiked out, had a great time. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and enjoyed a snack out there, and then it was getting close to dinner time, so we started heading back, right? And as we're coming back, uh, we reach this point where we're following the path, and then the path just kind of seems to disappear. We backtrack a little bit, and we realize pretty quickly, like, there's no path in front of us. We're lost. So we promptly freak out a little bit. Uh, some of my kids start crying. My wife and I look at each other like, oh no, what do we do? But eventually we decide, you know what, just sitting around isn't going to get us any closer to home. And so we just set out in the direction that we think our camp is. And I mean, we're, we're all together and we're going for it together. Uh, we're trudging through grass that's taller than some of my children. Uh, we're, we're pushing our way through lines of trees. All of us are getting scrapes and bruises and bumps. But then we get to this one point along the road or one of my kids says, hey, I remember, I remember that tree, because it looks funny, and, and I was looking at that on our way out. Well, I didn't remember the tree, but I trusted their memory, and so we went that way. A few minutes later, another kid said, hey, I remember that rock. I, I climbed up on that rock on our way out here. We, we were here, and so we went that way. And one by one, as we walked, every single one of our kids, besides the baby, remembered a different location along the journey. I didn't remember any of them, but I trusted their memories, and I led. 
And sure enough, about 45 minutes after getting lost in the woods, our feet stepped back onto the path. I kid you not, our feet hit the ground of that path and my kids broke out singing the doxology. I love my family. And as I've reflected on that, I can't help but think that that's what God wants for his church. Together, unified, each voice playing its own role, working together, honoring the family for the sake of the mission. That is good. I mean, that is a goal that is worth striving towards. And real honestly, a church that looks like that that's a church that makes me glad to be a part of the family of God. And so, brothers and sisters, I think we have some work to do. So go to church and be the church. A healthy family takes all of us.